Well, good evening, Celebration Church. How's everybody doing? Doing well? Welcome to all of our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. My name is Pastor Bob. Good to be with everybody tonight. Let's just open in a quick word of prayer as you're grabbing a seat. Good to have everyone here tonight at our Bible study. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together as the church. Uh, Lord, coming through Easter, celebrating the new year, we look forward to what you've got for us. Here in 2017, I pray that you bless our evening wherever people are gathered tonight, whether they're online, here in Green Bay, Appleton, Stevens Point, be with us here this evening. Speak to us, enlarge in our vision and passion for the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, it's good to be with you. Uh, Pastor Mark yesterday contacted me. He's on vacation, and uh, he's up north with his snowmobiles. I think Jimmy Bratcher's with him, his wife, uh, a couple other friends, and they're enjoying the snow and the freezing cold weather. My goodness. Did it get cold out or what? Uh, we had some pretty nice weather, and so they're up north, they're snowmobiling, and Pastor Mark was supposed to record his Bible study, like, on location, and he's probably going to be, like, sitting by the fire and all that, and they did it, but up north, I guess the internet was giving him problems, and so uh, last night he sent me a text message and said, uh, figure something out tomorrow, you're on. So <laughs> that's always fun. When you get like a uh, 12-hour notice to get ready to talk for an hour straight, right? But it's good to be with you. Uh, we had a great Christmas around Celebration Church, great new year. Uh, I had a, uh, Pastor Mark's on vacation right now. I got to be off between uh, Christmas uh, and New Year's. So my family, Christmas morning, we got up. And we opened presents and did that sort of thing. And then we drove down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where my mom and dad are at. And I've got a sister and her husband and kids. And my wife's got a sister there and her kids. And so we all drove down and we had a great time uh, spending Christmas there and New Year's and seeing some friends and actually enjoying some like, it was like really warm weather, which is not even typical necessarily for Tulsa. I mean, they don't get Wisconsin weather. But it gets cold down there, and it, uh, but we had, like, the day we got there was 67 degrees. It was gorgeous. And the kids, they're like, this feels like summer in Wisconsin. But we enjoyed it. It was good. And while I was there, my mom, she works at a retirement community called University Village. And, uh, and whenever we go there, me and the kids always go there, and they've got a, uh, like, a chapel area and we'll always do something, and my kids will sing, and my mom, she's like Debbie Gunger. She Actually, the Christmas production where Debbie Gunger always leads the choir, when I was a little kid, I grew up in that choir with Debbie Gunger leading the choir, and my mom was the one that would lead the actors and actresses. So my mom's a performer, too. She loves that. So every time we go, we got to perform for the village people, I call them. And... Uh, so it's called the University Village. So we perform for the village people, and the kids will sing. And they, the, like, if we go around Christmas, they'll sing the songs they were doing at Christmas because they have them memorized. And then, uh, and sometimes I'll share something or whatever. So while I was there, uh, my mom asked if I would share about Myanmar. So I kind of had something put together for them, and I wanted to share it with you tonight. We're involved with some really cool things with missions here at Celebration Church, and uh, we really make a big impact around the globe. And there's one country in particular called Myanmar, 
And you might remember it being called Burma. The U.S. still kind of refers to it as Burma. But it's called Myanmar, and their big city there, their New York, uh, you might remember it being called Rangoon, and now it's called Yangon. And we support an orphanage there. We've been participating with that since 1996. And, uh, and it's gone from a house on stilts to quite the orphanage today, and, uh, and it's really making an impact in that nation. So not only with the kids that they've reached, and now there's 200 kids at that orphanage, and it's rung out now to a network of 13 orphanages and, uh, and, and over 500 kids, and thousands have been through it. And that nation is starting to change to the point where when we first started going into Myanmar, uh, you know, uh, Christianity was illegal. Uh, and it was dangerous to go there, and you were smuggling in Bibles and all of that sort of thing, and things have loosened up a little bit, but it's still very tight. It's still illegal to convert somebody to Christianity. You can be sent to jail for that, and when they, they baptize people, and they baptize a lot of people, they have guards standing post, making sure that nobody is coming in and watching that shouldn't be watching. And We did a Christmas outreach there just this past Christmas, thousands in attendance. Um, they feed everybody. Over 500 people committed their life to Jesus at that event, and it's incredible what's happening there. Uh, so I want to share a little bit of that story, and, uh, and this is a group of people that went there. Uh, there was 14 of us that went this past October, and this is us there uh, at the very end, and we all gathered in front of the church that's been built there. And uh, it was just such an awesome time with those 14 people at Love Children Home. So that's the 200 kids and then all the adult leaders that are there as well, including Bible college students. Uh, this slide's entitled Myanmar and Poverty. Uh, when you talk about poverty, this is a country that is hard to describe. Uh, the average daily income for the world's population sits around $10 a day. Uh, it's hard for us to imagine $10 a day. People here make more than 10 bucks a day, don't they? I don't think my babysitter's in here, but when she babysits, she makes more than $10 a day. <laughs> and it's hard for us to even imagine that. Well, Myanmar's average daily income is actually $2.80. Uh, they are one of the poorest nations in the world. Um, to kind of put it into perspective, Americans will spend somewhere around $465 billion a year on Christmas. That's just on Christmas, $465 billion a year at Christmas time. And uh, Donald Trump tweeted that this year was a record-setting year with how much was spent on Christmas. And, uh, and so... In the country of Myanmar, their gross domestic product is $74 billion. So Americans will spend almost $400 billion more dollars a year on Christmas than what that country will bring in in an entire year. Uh, when they talk about how poor a nation is, one of the statistics they'll use is what percentage of that nation cooks using firewood? And uh, you'll see this big stack of firewood. This is actually here at the orphanage. And when you arrive in Myanmar, anyone that went on the trip, and some of them I'm sure are here tonight, uh, when you walk out of the airport, there is the smell of barbecue in the air. 
The whole country smells like a fire pit. It's awesome. It actually smells great. And, uh, and you can smell the smoke going in the air. You can see the smoke in the air. And, uh, and this orphanage is no different. They cook using firewood, and it's awesome. I mean, it's really a neat thing. But they don't have electricity and gas and propane and different things like that that we have readily available and electricity that we would have here in the U.S. So they cook the old-fashioned way with wood, and the whole country just smells this way. And, uh, and they, at the orphanage, they've got this great stack of firewood they used to cook with. Here's a picture of a really amazing vehicle. Would you look at that? Engines exposed. Uh, they will stack people in these cars, 20, 40 people just bouncing out of them. And, uh, and this vehicle is great. You can just see uh, you would never come across anything like that in America. Uh, Myanmar and orphans. Uh, you say, why are there so many orphans in a country like Myanmar? And, uh, and there's a lot of different reasons why there's orphans in a country like Myanmar. And one of the big reasons is poverty. Uh, that $2.80 makes it hard to provide for a family. And then there's all the things that go with poverty. You think about clean water. Some of the other things that we've done a lot here at Celebration Church is we've provided clean water for people that otherwise wouldn't have it. And uh, we've drilled wells in Central and South America. We've done it in Africa. We've done it in Myanmar as well. We've got several water wells that we've built there. And uh, we've provided clean water. And one of the reasons why that's important is because of disease. Uh, the mortality rate is extremely high. Some of the diseases you can get just by having, not having clean water to drink. And, and so the disease that goes with poverty, the mortality rate. Uh, a lot of the kids that end up being orphans will lose one parent. They might lose both parents. They might uh, be abandoned. They might be left. They might be given to relatives because the family that had them doesn't have the money to take care of them. The list goes on and on and on why there would be orphans. Sometimes it's because of drug abuse and alcohol abuse and different things like that that you would see even common in America with very impoverished areas. There's a lot of civil wars throughout the country of Myanmar. Uh, since I've been going there, I keep up with the news a little bit and it just kind of sparks my curiosity. And there's a lot of civil war there. And so a lot of people are displaced because of civil wars and unrest. And a lot of it is uh, Muslims coming into the country of Myanmar and a lot of conflict between them and the non-Muslims. Uh, as a result of that, there's all kinds of problems with education and with people not getting a good education. It makes it very hard to escape poverty. And then all of that culminates with children that are really vulnerable. And, uh, and here's a picture of a couple girls right here, and they represent vulnerable children. And I call it vulnerable children because if they weren't in a good orphanage like Love Children Home that we support, they could be in a really bad orphanage. There's bad orphanages all over the world that abuse and mistreat kids, and they're in it because it's a big business. That happens all the time. This orphanage that we support, we've done it from the beginning, and it is the best of the best. I can promise you that. And, uh, and if they don't end up in a bad orphanage, they could end up in a good one, or more likely than not, they're going to probably die at a very young age because they don't have the health and the food and the shelter that they need. Or they're going to be sold into slavery. 
or they're going to become indentured servants, or they're going to be sold into the sex trade, or they are going to be living on the streets or living with a relative that abuses them. Uh, there's, the list goes on and on and on. So in a country like this, where there's so many orphans, this is something that's near and dear to the heart of the scriptures. It talks about widows and orphans. In a country like this, they exist like crazy. And those girls right there uh, in that picture, let me go back to it here. Those girls in that picture, uh, this is uh, Glory and this is Lily Pond. That's my son, Dylan. I brought him with me this last time. And uh, when you go to the orphanage, you'll immediately connect with a group of kids. There's probably about seven to ten kids that will just grab you and adopt you. And these are a couple girls that uh, I've gone several times now. And the very first time I went, they saw me through the van windows and they came and they grabbed me, and they were my kids from day one. That's kind of the way it works. And their story is their dad is addicted to drugs. He's an alcoholic. He lives on the streets. He's in and out of prison, in and out of rehab situations, and he's basically abandoned the family, and they're extremely poor. This would be one of the families that might not even hit that $2.80 a day. So they're living with their mom, and their mom is starting to house one of the drug dealers and feed him so that she can try to bring some sort of an income into her house. Well, the authorities find out about this. They throw her in jail, and now these kids have been abandoned, and they've become orphans. And that's how they found their way to love children home. These are the kind of kids that we're reaching when we connect with missions here at Celebration Church. And the older one here, Glory, she's uh, quite the singer. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to play her singing a song for you. And uh, this is on a Sunday morning inside of the church. You saw the front of the church with one of the pictures. Now you'll see the inside with this video. And she's going to be singing a song. And you're not going to understand the words, and I didn't understand the words either when she was singing it. But I'm videotaping her. Like a dad would be videotaping one of his daughters singing a song. And I've seen her sing before, and she does a pretty good job, and she's got a really nice voice. But she was getting choked up, and she was seeming nervous, and she even cried. And I thought she had nerves because she was singing in front of this group of 200 kids and all of these adults on a Sunday morning in front of church. I thought she was getting nervous just like one of my kids would get nervous doing the exact same thing. And then afterwards, I found out that the reason why she was crying is because the meaning of the song that she was singing was, I was born nothing, but because of Jesus, I'm something. And that was the song she was singing, so we'll watch her sing it, and uh, you'll see what kind of kids it is that we reach here at Love Children Home.
That's awesome, isn't it? She was born nothing, but because of Jesus, she's something. And, uh, and that's the experience of a lot of the kids that are at this orphanage. They're filled with so much hope and life. And that's the why, with all these orphans, why we participate with Love Children Home for kids just like this uh, that experience amazing, amazing life on the inside of them as a result. It's all part of the Great Commission. Uh, Matthew 28 Verses 19 through 20 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world, Jesus says, and make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's so incredible, and uh, Pastor Joe, we were uh, flipping a coin to see who was going to talk today, and Pastor Joe, he was going to share stories of mission stories when he was out doing missionary work. And what's really incredible is when you go around the world and you see people being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This work that Jesus set people out on, we're participating with and we experience people being baptized just like we experienced uh, during Advent, seeing all these people baptized here at Celebration Church. That We experience that all around the world and we're participating with this in all nations. And it says, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And uh, these kids that end up at Love Children Home at this orphanage, they have a great opportunity to really learn what it is that Jesus taught, how to live. They're truly becoming disciples. The mission of Love Children Home is that the kids would have life and that they would have it abundantly. That's the mission, that they would have life and that they would have it abundantly. It comes straight out of John chapter 10 and verse 10. And I wanted to share that with you in the amplified version because it does a really nice job of kind of expanding on this thought of having life and having it abundantly. It says this, it says the thief comes in order to steal. It's talking about Satan. Satan comes in order to steal, to kill and destroy. And in a country like that, it's filled with so much destruction, really caused by the fact that we live in a fallen world. And all that destruction is around them, and Satan's a part of it. We live in this broken world. But Jesus says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. And in parentheses, it says, to the full, till it overflows is why Jesus came. He came so that you could experience that kind of life. He came so that these kids could experience that kind of life. And when we see people following Jesus, we see that kind of life begin to spill out of them and see a little girl who's singing a song about, I used to be nothing, but because of Jesus, I am something. And we've seen so many kids experience amazing life and other things that we've participated in with missions like drilling these wells in Central and South America. And we'll have Transition One students going out in just a couple months. They'll be going uh, to Guatemala and they'll be going to South Africa and having an opportunity to participate in this mission that Jesus has sent people out on that people would find them and become his disciple and experience the kind of life that Jesus offers. The kind of life that they experience and have it in abundance is spiritual life, becoming followers of Jesus Christ, having their life totally transformed, and it's a lot of practical stuff. 
see all these chickens here. Um, we have built a chicken coop there, and every Christmas, uh, all these chickens will lose their heads. <laughs> Big saw goes across there or something. <coughs> Not really. But those chickens will lose their heads at Christmas time, really. And they'll feed everybody. And uh, they've got a chicken coop, and the kids get protein. They get to eat eggs, and they get to eat chicken, and they get to learn how to take care of chickens. And they sell the eggs, and they sell the chickens, and they make some money for the orphanage. They've also got a pig, pig farm, and they grow vegetables. They've got, uh, I know some people here have bought blankets that we've brought back and things like that. They've got a loom house where they make blankets, and they bring in income for the orphanage, all kinds of really interesting things. Um, clean water. We've built a couple different water wells at Love Children Home, and the last time I was there, this water came down, a big line, and then the kids would pour it out. And then this time when I came, I saw this thing, this big blue tank. And uh, now they've got this really sophisticated filtration and water system that was put in by Daewoo. You ever heard of that? Like Mitsubishi, like they make cars and air conditioners and engines and whatever. Daewoo's kind of a similar company where they do a lot of different things. And they put this in here for Love Children Home for free, and they maintain it, and they switch out the filtration. So the water we gave them, now they've even got better water where they said we could probably even drink it and be safe. But we still, we still don't drink it. We, we drink the bottled stuff. But, um, but the kids have clean water. Uh, we were able to build a tennis court. There's my son there. Sorry, my son's in a few pictures because this was put together for my mom's friends. Um, but we built a uh, tennis court there, pretty awesome. And, uh, and when, when I was there a year ago, I saw this rebar and sand <coughs> laying on the ground. And I, was, I asked them, I'm like, what, what, are you putting up a new building here? What's this for? And they said, no, for the past five or six years, every time we've got an extra $5, every time we've got an extra $10, uh, someday we hope to have a tennis court here. So if we've got a little extra money, we'll go buy a reel of rebar or a bag of sand or a bag of cement and we're slowly working on constructing a tennis court. And so the church, we do a lot for Love Children Home and I thought, you know, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna mention this to the church and God really connected me with somebody here in Green Bay and uh, totally outside the church, we raised the money to put in this tennis court for these kids. And uh, they get an opportunity to play tennis and the adults that work there and the Bible college students, they get this great recreation and they get to play tennis. These, the mission of Love Children Home, that they would have life and that they would have it abundantly, is absolutely coming true. Uh, might be a picture back, so I'm going to hold on a second. There it is, the mission. Uh, we, this is uh, Jay Weiss. He goes to the church. This year, for the first year, we went. Uh, we took a medical team with us, and we built a medical clinic at Love Children Home. And they've got good medications. They've got the ability to take care of kids. Uh, we've got the ability to send in doctors and nurses and dentists whatever it would be. And every time we do a trip or another church takes a trip, 
there's the opportunity to provide medical care now in Myanmar, and it's pretty special. So we saw about 100 kids in the medical clinic, and uh, it was pretty special. So Jay led our first team, and we had a bunch of other people that, was a, that were a part of that, and it was pretty cool. We had all these sophisticated intake forms, and then we trained their medical director. His name's Benjamin, and he trained right along, alongside Jay and is learning more and more and more how to better take care of the kids. So whether it's health or tennis, or chickens, these kids have life, and they have it abundantly. Uh, This is uh, a group of kids walking home from school uh, in a country where not many people are educated and don't have the opportunity for education. These kids get a good education, and they get sent to school, and they get tutored, and they get helped out, and they get to grow and increase their intelligence and have great opportunities in the world. And This is a group of them walking home from school. It's a pretty special thing. Uh, Dental care is something that we're going to be providing in the future. There's some dentists that go to the church. They're wanting to participate with this, and uh, they sent us with toothbrushes one of our trips, and we were able to give them to them and help them take care of their teeth. The Bible College, uh, they, as a part of what we do with the orphanage, it's not just the orphanage. There's also about 80 every year, 60, 70 to 80 Bible College students. And it's called Disciple Bible College, and it's all about making disciples. And they go to this school for four years, and they get what they call a bachelor's degree in theology. I don't know if you could come to America and say you've got it, but they give them bachelor's degrees. And, uh, and they, man, they learn what is inside the Bible, and they learn practically how to do ministry. And so when we go on a missions trip, and we will have one coming up to Myanmar, there's opportunities to teach in the Bible college, and it's a pretty special thing. And they're so hungry for God's Word. And a lot of these kids that end up in the orphanage, especially if they're ministry-oriented people, they might end up in Disciple Bible College, and then they're going to go on to become missionaries into remote villages, or they might start a church, or they might start an orphanage, or they might start a school, or they might do a whole host of other different things, or go work in one of these network of 13 orphanages that we started. And it's a pretty special thing. So they go on and do that. This is at their graduation. Uh, They graduate in January, and... um, uh, this last January, I had the opportunity to go speak at their graduation. I'm going again this January, so I take off on the 31st, and uh, Glenn from the church, he's going to be going with me. He's a builder, and uh, we're actually working on building a house for somebody that's there, uh, one of the new things we'll be doing. So Glenn might have an opportunity to get his hands a little dirty with that. But uh, this is them at their graduation, and man, they take it really, really seriously, and uh, when they graduate, and it's pretty, pretty cool, really neat thing. Uh, they, uh, one of the graduates from Disciple Bible College started a widow's home that's right around the corner from Love Children Home where we go. So where those 200 kids are, you can walk through the jungle just a short ways and out onto this back dirty road, and then you can walk to uh, this widow's home. And this is one of the widows there, and... Uh, and we had an opportunity to go love on the widows. And so one of the graduates started a widow's home. And he's going to tell you a little bit about his passion in a video here in just a moment. Uh, but they've gone on to do amazing things. In this widow's home, they also started a preschool orphan, <clears throat> orphanage. So they take care of the preschool 
age kids, and then there's the widows that help take care of these little kids, and it's this super cool thing, and this guy named Elijah started it. Uh, while we were there with our medical team, uh, we also had the opportunity uh, to have uh, some of our lay people trained to be eye doctors. So if anyone from this church claims to be an eye doctor and wants to do LASIK surgery on you, do not let them do it. <laughs> but here's uh, Barb and Jeff. They go to, they go to the church, and uh, we were able to put, uh, I think it was somewhere around 50 people in glasses, and they could read. And I think the youngest was seven years old, and the oldest was in her upper 80s. And this is her right here. And she was in tears when she got her glasses. And uh, she could read for the first time probably in a few decades. And so we put him in glasses. It was pretty special. So this is uh, Elijah, and he's going to tell his story about why he started a widow's home and a preschool orphanage. Elijah. He was part of Disciple Bible College, which is part of Love Children Home that we support. And uh, just a short walk. We walked about five or ten minutes to get here uh, from the orphanage that we support. And he started a home for widows. And in addition, they also have a preschool. So the orphanage we support is uh, over age five. And then uh, if you're in the preschool age, you need to be in a different type of orphanage. So Elijah started that. What year did you start it? Two years ago, so 2013. So in 2013, Elijah started the preschool. What's the name of it? Liberty International Preschool. Liberty International Preschool. Uh, we got some cool pictures of the kids, and uh, and then you also have a home for widows, and they keep such beautiful gardens and uh, such an amazing thing. And uh, and what's part of the reason why you started what you started? Um. Before I started the ministry, the widow's home, uh, I just uh, always thought and had a big heart to serve God in, in any way that I can. And, and after I could finish the Bible College, Disciple, at Disciple Bible College, uh, God put in my heart to help those widows. Uh, in Myanmar, because of the civil war and because of the poverty, people are in trouble. A lot of people, especially people who, who are weak, uh, the widows, a lot of widows who are helpless and who have a lot of problems. So God showed me in my heart to help those widows and I started it um, nine years ago. So I've been helping around 50 widows and right now 12 ladies are with us and the oldest one is 99 <laughs> and we also help two who have mentally problem. Actually they are not all but because of their mentally problems we just help them. And we do this thing to show the love of God not only to them but also around in our towns here and 
I hope because of these people here in our towns will see God's love and we can bring and them to his love and and our prayer is to see more people that would come to uh, Christ to our church yeah one thing that's cool is the graduates from the Bible College so a lot of the kids that end up at Love Children Home will end up in the Bible College and then they go on to start a ministry of their own and you're the fruit of that. So uh, what's so cool is the orphanage that we've helped support and the Bible college that we've helped support has helped create leaders who are becoming leaders of other leaders and going on to start ministries that are impacting their country. So pretty cool, man. Thank well you. done. Thank well you. Done. Thank you for your support and everything. Yeah. Bless you all. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. One of the things, <clears throat> one of the things that he didn't share in that is one of the, the that he had a heart for widows, because his dad died when he was really young and his mom was a widow, and so when he thought, what kind of a ministry do I want to start someday? He wanted to start a home for widows because he experienced it firsthand. Uh, the kids that are a part of this orphanage, we talked about life and having it abundantly and becoming disciples. And here's a picture right here uh, that I wanted to share, and it shows them worshiping God. And their hands high in the air and crying out to Jesus and loving God. And these are kids that are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, they truly have become disciples. So this slide right here, it's called Faith and Prayer. In James chapter 5 and verse 15, it says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. The prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective. And that section in James chapter 5 is going to talk about breaking free from sin. It's going to talk about overcoming sin patterns in your life. It's going to talk about receiving physical healing inside your body. And it's going to talk about getting other people involved in your life and how we're not supposed to walk through life alone and that how prayer actually matters and that the prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective. So call upon people to pray for you when you're sick. Call upon people to pray for you when you're in sin. Call upon others and invite them in your life. And this talks about, to me, being the body of Christ. Pastor Mark talks a lot about a lot of you are needing a miracle in your life, but there's somebody on the other side of the church that you should probably be talking to that has the answer that you need or has the faith to pray for you, whatever it is. And these groups of people here in Myanmar are really people that are marked by faith and they're marked by prayer. And, uh, you know, you think about this other section in the Bible that Jesus talks about, it's hard for rich people to inherit the kingdom of God. For Jesus talk about that, it's easier to go through a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to inherit God's kingdom. I think part of that is because here in the United States, we can solve a lot of our own problems, can't we? We know where our next meal is coming from because we've got a pantry that's full of food. Uh, my pantry, we were getting ready to leave for Christmas, so my wife stopped grocery shopping. 
so that we wouldn't have a pantry and a refrigerator full of stuff going bad. And, and so like a couple days before we left on vacation, I opened up my pantry and I'm looking for something to eat. And I've got nothing to eat. But you know what? I had um, uh, black olives. I had cranberry sauce, the ocean spray kind that's like all formed together into a jelly, which is the only way to eat cranberry sauce. Am I right? Don't give me any of that like frou-frou stuff filled with orange zest and all of that. I want cranberry sauce out of a can for Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I had a couple cans of that. So I got food to eat. I had rice in there. I had beans in there. We can eat even if we don't have food. And we know where our next meal is coming from. And we've got a closet full of clothes and we've got a roof over our head. We're educated. And when we get sick, we can get the best doctors in the world, can't we? Some of the best doctors in the world are right here in our nation. And we can solve a lot of our own problems. So I think what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about going camel going through the eye of a needle might be easier than a rich person inheriting God's kingdom or how difficult it is for us to get our head around faith and prayer as people that make a whole lot more than $2.80 a day or $10 a day. That these people are filled with a life marked by full surrender to Jesus Christ and they have faith and prayer. And... Um, and I have walked through some things in my life, and I wanted to share a couple of those stories. I won't get into the details of it, but my, uh, my sister-in-law, she was diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and I didn't really, I didn't really care about Love Children Home. I didn't have the biggest heart towards missions. I didn't really know anything about these guys. But I heard a story one day, I can't even remember who shared the story, but it was a story of a girl that was at Love Children Home, and she was playing up in the tree, and she fell out of the tree. And these kids, like, I think probably some of the people on the trip saw these kids climb a tree. They can put their arms around the trunk of a tree and shimmy it up it with their legs like, like a little monkey. <laughs> Never seen anything like it. And... Uh, and they'll take naps, like up in the tree. They'll get up in a branch and lay down and relax and take a nap up in a tree. And there was this little girl climbing up in the tree, and she fell out, and she hit head first on the ground. And they said that her head was like a balloon. You could just push into it, and it was like mush. And so they, they, they counted her as good as dead. And they started preparing for her funeral. And I don't know exactly how they do it in Myanmar, but... The impression I got is that they're getting out shovels, basically, and it's time to dig her grave. And they're getting ready for this little girl's funeral, and she hasn't died yet. A couple hours have gone by. So they decide, all right, well, let's, let's bring her into the city, and we'll take her to the hospital. And it's a long haul going into the city to go to a hospital, part of the reason why it's so important for us to have a medical clinic there. So they bring her into the city. They bring her to the hospital, and the doctors say the same thing. She's going to die. You know, she's got hours to live. Maybe, maybe by morning she'll be dead at the latest. And they said, so if you want, you can leave her here. She can die here. Or you can bring her home and let her die at home. It's your choice. So they said, well, we're here already. Let's, let's stay here. So they stayed at the hospital. And then the kids at the orphanage that worship God just like this went up to the leader's at Love Children Home and said, can we pray and fast for this little girl? And 
the, the adults said, yeah, absolutely, you can fast and you can pray. These kids who hardly have any food uh, wanted to fast and pray. So they were fasting and they were praying, and by morning, the girl hadn't died. They're fasting and praying all through the night, and she's still alive the next day. Still unconscious, still assuming she's going to die at any moment. And the doctor said, there's not really anything we can do. Uh, you can take her home to die, you can leave her here to die, or if you want, we can put her on a plane and we can send her to um, another country and maybe they can help her out there, uh, but probably best to just let her, let her pass away. So she's comfortable here, why don't we just leave her here? And they said, no, put her on a plane. We're gonna fly her out. And the kids once again said, can we fast and pray? And the kids fasted and prayed. And long story short, the girl lived, she didn't die. And she's perfectly normal today, perfectly normal brain, totally has full functions of everything. And she's a thriving young girl today. And I heard that story, and I still, I didn't have a heart for Myanmar. I just remembered hearing the story. And then my sister-in-law gets diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and I kind of felt like God nudging me to say, ask those people in Myanmar to pray. So I reached out to him to pray. I didn't even know how to contact him. I sent some messages through some of the other pastors at the church, and they started praying for my sister-in-law, Joanna. And my sister-in-law, Joanna, went through all of her chemotherapy, and she's totally cancer-free today, and she's doing well. Well, then, a couple years after my sister-in-law gets cancer, my wife gets cancer. And I feel like God nudging me again, ask those guys in Myanmar to pray. And so I asked them to pray for my wife, and I started getting all these messages back saying, we're praying for your wife, how's she doing? We're praying for her, we've been praying for her, how's she doing? And, you know, I think... You know, in America, someone says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll be praying for you. There's some really amazing people in America that'll pray for you. My mom, I know, is one of them. My mom prayed for my wife like crazy. I know some of you are people of prayer, but some of us, we struggle to pray. Some of us, we struggle to have faith. And, and they really, uh, and so, you know, it's almost like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, have a nice day. Shake your hands. I'll be praying for you you know, more of a gesture than it is truly being people of prayer. And so they started praying, and my wife goes through all of her chemotherapy, and she makes it through. And there was moments where it didn't look good, and she made it through. And she had a fast-growing kind of cancer. It could have snuffed her out quickly if it wasn't found. And, uh, and these people, and some people all around the world, my mom and many of you, were praying for my wife. And so when there was an opportunity to go on a trip, my first time that I went to Myanmar, my whole reason for going wasn't because of my passion that I have today for Myanmar and Love Children Home and Missions. My whole reason for going was to say thank you for praying for my wife. And I went there and in the same time fell in love with these people. And, uh, and I really believe that uh, the word of God is right. And in James, when it says that the prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective, that we should be praying for each other. And we have the great opportunity to be the body of Christ. And you know what? I think, I think being raised in a culture that's so filled with poverty, like a nation like Myanmar, I think it's so much more natural for them to trust God. They'll tell you that, you know, my wife, the story of her with cancer, if you get cancer like that in Myanmar, you die. You die. So that's why we pray. 
And that's why we trust God, because we're trusting him for a miracle. And that's how they live their life. And, you know, they told a story about the orphanage and when it started. They told a story about how when it was just a house on stilts and these kids and they had no money, they said that they would get their food from the people on the side of the street that are preparing their food and they would cut the top off of a head of cabbage. And they would discard it. And that's what the dogs would eat, right? That's what would go into the trash pile <coughs> is the top of a head of cabbage. And so they told the story of doing that and they would go grab these <coughs> tops of the heads of cabbage and they would put them into a pot and they would make soup out of them, cooking with their sticks and their wood. And they would make soup and they said that the kids had all the nutrients they needed. They had all the vitamins they needed and that God provided through the scraps of cabbage that even the humans wouldn't eat. They'd give it to the dogs. That's how they started trusting God. And then to support an orphanage like this, it takes a lot of financial resources. It's part of why we participate with all of these kids. They have to be clothed and fed and housed and educated and medically taken care of and everything else. And it takes a lot of people to do it, and it takes a lot of square footage to do it, and a lot of buildings to do it. And so they, instead of sending it, they, they were wanting to send out support letters, but they kind of felt like, it just God's not allowing us to do this. And they were running out of money, and they told a story of selling their wedding rings uh, so that they could have the money to feed the orphanage for that month. So they sold their wedding rings, and they trusted God, and it was a sign to them saying, God, we're trusting you. And it was shortly after that, the Celebration Church was there, and we partnered with them and started this orphanage together and really saw it grow into something special. My father-in-law, Lathan, he's a pastor here. How many of you know him? Uh, while we were in Myanmar, uh, he was having heart surgery, and he was at Mayo Clinic in the best hands in the world, taking care of him medically. And, uh, and Pastor Lathan, you'll probably hear more about his story someday, but uh, he's got AFib, and he's had... I don't know, a baker's dozen cardioversions and an ablation and everything else and medications and all this stuff trying to get his heart to work the right way. And nothing was really working. And so finally, he got sent to Mayo Clinic to, de to de work with some of the best in the world on his heart. And they decided they needed to do this surgery and it was going to be pretty risky. And coming out of that surgery, things were not looking very good. And it just so happened to be that Dylan and I and the other 12 people on this missions trip in Myanmar, we happened to be there while Lathan was having a surgery. And part of me was wondering, like, is it even smart for me to be going and doing this? Like, you know, this is a pretty serious surgery that my father-in-law is going to be having. But we went anyhow, and my wife was sending me reports, and the reports were bad. They weren't good. And, uh, and when you're in that situation, I've been in that situation where the report, reports are not good. My wife on the outside, uh, on the back end of chemotherapy, she got meningitis, which is basically a brain injury. And they continued to pray for my wife, and my wife made it through that well. And, uh, and so this group of people trusted God in my life for that. And while we're there, it's that Sunday morning, and uh, Peter grabs me and Dylan, and we stand in the middle of the church, and they lay hands on me and Dylan, and they pray for Lathan. And when they pray, they throw down. They absolutely throw down and trust God. And it is the most beautiful and amazing and powerful thing 
to witness. And here they are praying, and the reports from that point forward were good and better and getting better, and Lathan's continued to improve day after day after day with people marked by prayer. And uh, so I went there to say thank you to these guys, fell in love all at the same time, and discovered a lot about the body of Christ and about prayer and trusting God. And it helps me grow in my faith. And, uh, and it's something that we hope to share with more and more of you and hope that you take an opportunity to participate with us on a missions trip. And now, if I haven't bored you, I'm going to show some family pictures of our team of 14 people that went on this trip. Let's take a look. Our God alone, our God alone. 
We would love to have you guys join us <clears throat> on a trip. There'll be another one coming up in October. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes, not a lot. If you're at one of our campuses, if you have a question, uh, you can send me a text message. The number's on the screen. My cell number is 920-264-5066. You can send me a text message. If you have a question, if you're here in Green Bay, Pastor Lathan can walk around with a microphone, and if you have any questions, I can try to answer them with the little time that we have left. Is there anybody that has any questions? What language do they speak? What language do they speak? They speak Burmese, and uh, that would be the national language in Myanmar. Uh, and there are kids that go into the orphanage that don't know how to speak Burmese. Uh, that country has hundreds of languages. Uh, some of the kids are from a state called Chin, and there are plenty of dialects in Chin. And Peter, who uh, started the orphanage and runs it, there's another guy there named Abraham, who's kind of the right-hand man uh, for Peter. And both of those guys are from Chin State, and Chin is their first language. They don't understand each other when they speak Chin. <laughs> they don't even understand the same Chin. So uh, most of the kids, when they come in, if they don't know Burmese, they'll have to learn Burmese, and they do. Uh, and they do teach them English, and by the time they end up in the Bible college, they might speak some English, and they'll get better as they go on through the Bible college. Some of them will get really good. Others won't get as good. Um, but all the kids can pretty much say, I love you, see you tomorrow, nice to meet you, they'll learn your name. So there'll be some little communication, and we'll learn some of their words while we're there as well. And then lots of nonverbal communication, and, uh, and then there'll be older Bible college students and people that work there, kind of helping translate some conversations as you go along throughout the day as well. Now, my question, um, to what extent does the government oversee... Um, is there open uh, adoptions, um, and what kind of age range are they eligible for? Um, so there are no international adoptions. They don't allow international adoptions. You have to be a citizen of Myanmar, and then there's, I think, a lot around that as well. I believe that you actually have to be Buddhist um, uh, to adopt, and there's a lot of restrictions around adoption, but there's no international adoptions out of that country, which is probably... Uh, why uh, there's also quite the orphan, and orphan situation in that country. Um, I got a text message that said, uh, let's see, can we adopt children from Myanmar? We said that. Uh, someone said they appreciated the message. And they can't wait to join the team from Guatemala this February. Hi, Sherry Zilmer. They're down in Florida. Uh, they're going to be going on the Guatemala trip. Um, what's the yellow on the faces? That's called Tanaka. And it's uh, uh, kind of like makeup, I guess, but they use it for sunscreen. It comes from a tree. And uh, they rub it on their cheeks. And most of the girls, a lot of the girls are wearing it. You'll see some boys wearing it too, but mostly girls. And they kind of think it looks pretty. It's a little bit of sunscreen, and it smells pretty good. So that's kind of, that's Tanaka. Uh, how did the kids get accepted into the orphanage, somebody asked. Uh, 
Katie and Stephen's point. Uh, the kids, they end up in the orphanage. Uh, they go through a process to be accepted into the orphanage. Um, and they, it does fill up. And it's, it's kind of all the above. It could be someone just dropping them off at the orphanage. It could be someone, a police or an official or uh, someone like that bringing someone to the orphanage or a family member. A lot of the kids, when they're abandoned, will end up with a relative and the relative will say, I can't take care of this kid. I can't educate him. And that's how they might end up there. So that's kind of how they end up at the orphanage. And they come from all over. So it's not just from that massive city of Yangon. Some of the kids will come from really rural areas that take days to get there. Um, so that, that happens as well. Uh, someone said that they graduate with their RN in May and would love to go. Uh, what do I need to be ready to go in October? If you are interested in going to the trip in October um, and to have an RN or anybody that's in the medical field, whether you're a doctor, nurse, dentist, physician's assistant, um, nurse practitioner, uh, if you're in the medical field, we would love to have you participate, and we'll be going again in October. And if you're really crazy and want to go with me in January, let me know tonight. Um, and and I'll, I'll, you can go with in January. But uh, the trip will be going uh, towards the end of October, and we'll be announcing that trip here like in the next couple weeks. Uh, so when you hear about it, you'll want to let us know. But if that's you, send me an email or uh, send me a text message. Call me, call the church, and say you want to go on the next Myanmar trip, and we'll try to get that organized for you. Hi. Um, how did... There's so many poverty-stricken um, nations in our world. What made the church choose Myanmar? We had a uh, staff... Someone that used to be on staff here at the church and uh, a guy named Dennis, and now he does missions full-time, uh, and he doesn't live in Green Bay anymore. He still comes around quite a bit. Uh, the question was, you know, what, what pulled us towards Myanmar? Uh, when they were doing missions, their heart really was for orphans, widows, and remote countries. And so Myanmar being filled with widows, orphans, and it's very remote and very poor. Um, and then they also wanted to work with local people. So instead of sending Bob to move to Myanmar to be a missionary <clears throat> or sending me to the Philippines or whatever, uh, we wanted to work with people that were local. And so uh, Myanmar was a country they wanted to go to, and they were doing ministry with a guy that was in China, and that guy connected them up with Peter before Peter got going. So they got, we all started at the same time, basically. Um, there was, uh, uh, how many kids are at the orphanage? Uh, there are 200 kids at that orphanage. Uh, several are in walking distance of that orphanage. So when we're there, it'll swell up, I don't know, maybe like 220, 240, 260, something like that when we do this event. In October, it's their week off of school. And, uh, and so they'll, they'll, there'll be all kinds of other kids from the other two or three orphanages right around it that'll come in. So we'll be reaching 220, 240, 260 people something like that, but there's 200 at that orphanage, and it's their week off of school, and so we're, what a mission trip there looks like is spending time uh, with those kids and uh, doing chapel services, speaking at the Bible college, doing projects, different things like that. Um, uh, someone asked if I'm any good at tennis. Yes, I'm great. Uh, no, I'm okay at tennis. I'm not great at tennis. I would love to be great at tennis, 
more about tennis to come. Because I'm really excited about tennis. I was just curious, do you have to have any special talents? You qual everyone qualifies. You don't have to have a special talent to go. Um, actually, a lot of people, some of the first times that they'll ever do, like, ministry with kids will be on a trip like this, and it's great. It, like, gets you out of your shell, and you don't really have to have a special talent, and the kids light up at anyone and everyone. They're really just blessed to have people love on them, put an arm around them, and hug them, and love on them. So you don't have to have a special talent. Really, anybody is great on a trip like this. So aside from, like, um, it looks like every year we add something on, what's the goal going to be for this year, and what can the church do to help? Uh, this year, we are building a house. So it takes a lot of people to run the orphanage there. And, uh, and, it's, and there's several people, there's a couple of families that live inside of the boys' dorms with their wife and kids. And that's not really a great way to be a family. So uh, we are going to be building a house there, and they need more. So with our missions budget, as it continues to expand, we want to do more. So year after year, <clears throat> things do continue to grow and expand there. Um, the tennis thing is like a little side project I'm starting, and so I'm hoping that we can build more of those at some of the orphanages as well, but that's kind of outside the church. Um, so... And we're getting close to outside of time. Um, you were asking about <clears throat> any special talents. Did you notice some of the people that were on the team <laughs> in the video that had the special talents in the, in the worship? I don't know whether I've ever seen Jay Wise or Mike Kleinhofer <laughs> do that on a Sunday morning where they're dancing and jumping around like that. <clears throat> Suddenly they're out of the box there. So what we should do is we'll have some of the people on the team on Sunday come up and kind of lead us all up in the front here and show their special talent, eh? I can see Mike and Tom Tedeschi and Jay shaking their head. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sure there's more questions. We're about out of time. Uh, it is 7.56, and all of our kids' stuff at all of our campuses gets over at 8 o'clock. We went a little over time tonight, but it's been fun. Uh, I'll just close us in prayer. And if you got any more questions, if you're not here, call me, send me a text message, that's fine. If you're here, you can come and chat, and uh, it's just good to be with everyone. Let's pray. Father God, we just, uh, we give this night to you, and it's such a great uh, opportunity to learn more about what you're doing in the world, and God, we just, we're, we're grateful that we get to participate with it. God, I pray that you would bless our evening, and uh, bless those kids, those adults, those Bible college students in Myanmar. Let them know your love, surround them, protect them. And uh, let them know they're loved. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.